Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. We are in the thick of the 2020 Olympic Games. We're bringing you all the coverage, all the Olympic icons to give you in-depth analysis on every single race that's happening in Tokyo. And in that light, we, we today are talking to Olympian Caroline Burkle. Thanks, Coleman. <laughs> Absolutely. What an intro. I feel... <laughs> so excited super cool though we were just talking about how exciting everything is so i'm grateful to be here and to talk about all the things dude all the things there's there's so much happening right now uh just 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 watching the olympics um has anything stood out to you so far what are you what are you feeling uh watching these as someone who's been there oh well first off i didn't admittedly i was going through a really tough time in 2016 just mentally and so i didn't watch hardly any any of the olympics and i remember feeling very, very bad about that. And I remember, um, you know, yeah, just feeling like, okay, will I ever feel like I can watch this again? And this year I am like glued to the TV. I have, I'm so proud of not only how far I've come, but how far the sport has come to support athletes in certain ways. And I'm just in absolutely in love with watching it. And it feels so exciting every night to be like, sweet. I know what I'm doing at six 30 Pacific. Like nobody bother me. I'm going to watch for <laughs> two hours, you know? So it's extremely exciting. And, uh, just the amount of, um, yeah, the amount of support these athletes are getting at a very difficult time. Like this is a difficult time. You know, the fans aren't in the, in the stands. Um, they've had a lot of pivoting that they've had to do. And so being able to see them resilient, especially at such a young age is super cool for me to, to see that new generation up and they're not new anymore. They're in it. They're, they're ready to go. <laughs> Dude, yeah. That's it's cool. a lot of newbies, a lot of young, fresh faces. Has, has, has there been any swims or any moments that have stood out to you so far being halfway oh. in? You know, Emma's uh, race, I, I know her coach, Brent Arkey from Florida, so that felt really special and super cool to watch her. Um, I mean, Lydia's breaststroke was just fantastic. I just, I've enjoyed watching all of the youngsters and I don't even, I don't want to admit to that I'm calling them youngsters because it makes me feel old, but I, I just do. I remember being in that space at a young age, not necessarily at the Olympics because I wasn't that young at the Olympics, but just knowing that you have the world ahead of you and that your successes are just beginning. And that feeling is so cool to watch them stand on the world stage. So those two races stand out. Um, I loved the mile last night. That was super cool. Uh, the one, two, and just knowing how much that hurts. <laughs> um, I could go on and on. I always like watching uh, Caleb swim just because he's a gator and, uh, I enjoy watching his passion for the sport and 
Yeah. Knowing how he trains and, and how hard he trains and outside of the pool too, with the strength coach there at Florida. So that's been cool to see. Yeah. That there's, there has been so many uncles. We, I, I talked to Rebecca Sony yesterday, your business partner, and uh, she, she had a really cool thing to say about Lydia, which was, it's such a rare moment when athletes actually get to exceed their expectations and to have that, to have that moment where you, you have, you have your expectations and you actually get to go above and beyond it and, and feel like there's so much more ahead of you, um, is a really rare moment for an athlete. Totally rare. And just seeing the look on her face when she finished, finished the race. And it's this look of wait. did that just, oh my gosh, did that just, you know, did that just happen? And knowing that capability and just seeing her, like I could cry right now because it's like that experience of where for the first time, you know, that you can do it. You know, that you could, that's clearly why you're there. That's clearly why you're in the finals of the race in the first place. You believe in yourself, you feel support from others, but then knowing that you've just achieved something that you're still so humble about and that you still have this hope that I can do more and I'm happy where I am, but I know I can do better. It's just a very, it's a humbling experience to watch. And I'm sure it's a very humbling experience to have as an athlete. Um, It just made me, I was like crying my eyes out, (laughs) especially when they showed her family just in Alaska and all of her friends. I was like waterfalls. Uh, That's what it's all about right there. And seeing people come together for that. It was so special. That's what it's always been about for me. And in the first place, it's just that community support and seeing the teammates go crazy and everything like those memories, you just, you'll never forget. Like never, I will never forget Jason Lezak's like the relay with Lezak <laughs> and Colin. I mean, I will yeah. never forget like, Oh my goodness, the amount of joy and just absolute like craziness we were all feeling in the stands when that happened it's just like those moments are so special to to witness and to experience oh my god yeah I forgot that that was that was your olympics (laughs) that was my olympics it was it was a really cool olympics it was so fast and just being able to witness everything that happened there across the board and michael's all of michael swims and just being able to see the evolution of him as a human being too. And remembering all of that in person, Oh, his swimming has come such a long way. And I'm super proud of where the sport is. Like there's no coincidence why these young athletes are succeeding. Like they're getting support. They're, they're feeling more established in, in their minds. And I think that's special. Like it, it shows from those coaches too. I definitely want to get to the support they're feeling mentally and emotionally um, in a bit, but I, while we're on this topic of, uh, the 2008 Olympics, you guys had, you guys had morning finals there, right? Yeah. So yeah. Prelims were uh, at night and finals were in the morning. It was so weird. <laughs> yeah. What was that? What was that experience? Like, especially I was talking to my brother about this and he was like, it's like swimmers just aren't programmed to have one swim in the morning and that be like the major swim. And then like try to go to sleep and then have another swim at night. That's a completely different swim that is, that is like a, a totally different vibe. It's not, you know, cause you're not, 
trying to like win necessarily just trying to move forward so it's like that's not how things work at all it was a very interesting experience and we had practiced for it you know but nothing really does it like the actual event you're like wow this is so interesting um and you know my situation was unique because it was also a relay so there's more pressure as well from this like team internal experience where you're like I just want everyone to be happy and everybody to succeed on our, on our squad, you know? Um, but yeah, finals or prelims are at night. And then I remember that night just being so confused. Like, okay, so I actually go to sleep. Like I'm supposed to sleep tonight and recover for the morning. Cause that's the final relay. And I was so ecstatic that you have to really, you know, maintain and regulate and self-regulate and understand that you need the rest and you need the recovery in order to go back in the morning and perform again. Um, I do remember waking up really early because I, I was more of a night swimmer anyway, you know, going into the meet, I performed better later in the day. Um, so I remember waking up super early to try and get prepared for my race. It's like up at like four in the morning and my race wasn't until like nine or something. So I was like, I, I need to do something <laughs> like <laughs> wake up, wake up. So, but it was a cool experience. Um, and my relay was just a squad of awesome women and Allison who's still competing. And I just texted with her earlier this morning and uh, Katie and Natalie. So it was really cool. Yeah, that's quite a relay. <laughs> it was awesome. It was a really cool relay. And, you know, we won bronze and that was so exciting. And I, I know that we wanted the gold. And I think, you know, when you're in um, a relay environment, like everyone pushes each other. But I remember leaving that just feeling so grateful that I had that experience with them because what a great team of people <laughs> to, to win a medal for the United States. It was really yeah. neat. Yeah, that I mean that that sounds like a great experience. I um, did did the did Team USA as a whole have have a feeling about the the morning finals? I mean, were there were you alone in getting up at four a.m. or were a lot of people early risers? Did some people enjoy it? Um, like, what was what was the talk on the deck like during the meet? You know, it's interesting you ask that because the other day when I saw the quote that Abby Weitzel had. And it said, um, when you have the flag on your cap, you get the job done. Mm -hmm. And that gave me chills because I remember feeling that way going into the, the games and going into my race. And something that was really driven home to us over and over again in training camp, um, when we went to Singapore, and then when we got to Beijing was just this mindset of this is the way that it is. So we're going to make it work. Like th there's no way around it. Like you, you all have all trained for difficult things. You've all trained for hard experiences where things haven't gone as planned and they don't line up the way that you had them planned. And so if you can do that, you can do this. Like you've known about this. This is, this is how it's going to be. And so I think that mindset that we're all in this together and everyone's going to support each other's routine. Like if somebody needs to wake up early, like go for it. If somebody doesn't, don't. It's like we're all in this together and we all have that same mission to get the job done and represent America and, and do it together as a team. That really allowed us to just show up as we were and, you know, do what we needed to do to all achieve that goal. Um, so I, I just vividly remember those experiences where we had those team talks 
about like, this is going to be weird, like, you know, and this is straight up, this will be weird, but we're going to make it happen and it's going to be awesome. So just that belief and that team camaraderie. You get, you guys made it happen. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. We did. <laughs> you, you got the medal. Uh, what was, what was the vibe like in a ready room at like what? Nine in the morning. I know that that was very different too. Um, you know, luckily at the pool, it's dark enough to where you kind of feel like it's finals, you know, cause you're inside. So you can get into that mindset. Um, cause that's a bit, you know, your environment is big. Like if you're outside and it's bright as day, it's going to feel different than when you're inside and you've got the moody lights and all that kind of stuff. Um, ready rooms in general though, are just, <laughs> I, I did not, you know, as an athlete, I was always the last one in there. Like I would kind of loiter outside and then walk in at the very end. Uh, but on a relay, you, you all have to go in at the Olympics. You have to go in at the same time and everybody has to be in there and check, check the boxes and do all that. It's a true testament of the horse blinders, putting them on and just staying in your lane, literally physically all of it, uh, because it's easy to get distracted. But when you train for that, you just trust that like, okay, all these things are here and they're all around me and, the, and they could distract me. They could pull me away from my mission, but I'm not going to let them like, that's the, the mentality. So, uh, it was interesting, but being on a relay in the ready room is kind of cool. Cause you're with your teammates and, um, you can feed off the energy of one another's excitement. That stressed me out. <laughs> ready rooms are just not my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> but hey you know it's to each their own some people love them it's a place to get pumped up some yeah, people, yeah. I, I never I've never thought about this but I guess when you get 36 uber competitive people in a small space it's probably <laughs> yeah probably a lot going on yeah and they have like chairs that you know they had four rows of four like lined up so you're kind of like sitting with your teammates too and or standing, but um, yeah, that's a lot of people in one ready <laughs> 36. I guess I didn't really do the math before I started talking about it, but that that's, is, I'm, hold on. That's 32, eight 32, times four, 30, 32. Times four. Yeah. yeah. My, I, I didn't do the way. math. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Um, okay. So what are you expecting? What were, or what are you looking forward to tonight? watching that four by two final did you watch prelims this morning or have you looked at results I've, i have looked over the results um shout out to brook 40 i um swam for lakeside growing up so that's a really cool thing to see her on relay i uh, honestly i'm just one of those athletes that i just want to see them come together and I mean, look, the women's four by two has been a historical relay. Like it has been dominant since what, 96. Um, I mean, there's never not been a dominant year. So I have full faith <laughs> and regardless, I think, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited to see Allison. I'm excited to just see them all absolutely crush it. You know, obviously I'm recording this and we don't know who's on the final right now. So it's hard to name names at the moment, but I, I just think that look like everybody behind those blocks, the four by two specializes in a, in a race that's extremely popular. 
the 200 freestyle is an extremely popular race. It's one of the most dominant races in women's swimming, men's swimming from the beginning of time. Um, it's one many people swim. So to make it to the Olympics for a relay in that race, you know, is extremely difficult and it's extremely hard. So everybody there deserves so much credit and so much respect, so much respect for me. Um, that's not to say the other races are not, you know, hard. I'm just saying that 200 is a tough line and it's always been so mad respect. Um, I'm excited for everything. I'm excited for all of it tonight. Uh, and last night was, like I said, it was wonderful watching, watching the relays as well too. So, um, but yeah, we'll see who's on it and excited to hear, excited to watch. We'll <laughs> I wish see. I knew more about it right now, but <laughs> we don't know yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. We did, we're not quite sure yet, but it's gonna, I, it looks like it's going to be great. Um, so I want to, I want to pivot to, to the, uh, the mental and emotional side of, of our athletes of team USA specifically. We've seen um, one of the biggest stories of this Olympics was Simone Biles and gymnastics pulling out for mental health reasons, which was awesome. Obviously not ideal, but it's, it's been really cool to see mental health, take a, take a forefront and take priority because at the end of the day, this is just sports and it's also, you know, you have a life after sports right. and you have a body that you want to work after yeah. sports. Yeah. Um, so to start this conversation off, just what was your reaction at seeing that, um, that news about Simone? Oh, you're catching me at a good time. Cause I have been feeling it all, feeling all the feels and, you know, my first initial reaction was like, I am so proud of you. Like, that's just what I wanted to say to her. Um, I, when Naomi Osaka did this same thing recently mm -hmm. and pulled out of a tournament, I felt the same way. And I know that these athletes get a lot of heat and they get a lot of heat in many different ways because of the exact same things they worry about, you know, like, what will people think of me? Am I not tough? Am I not strong? Am I not doing my job? Is this, you know, uh, all of those questions come to mind as an athlete. But then when these women have stood up and done this, what it's doing is this isn't, we have to take it out of this micro situation here and look at this from a macro perspective. This is the change that the world needs. And it's not, a weakness like this isn't this doesn't mean that they're not the goats like they literally are <laughs> the goats and we've all seen it they've proven themselves in that way um but change is uncomfortable and people don't like it a lot of times and so it can cause a stir because i think it, it can cause people to to wonder like well what about the mental toughness like what about all of that and in my opinion, this is causing a greater ripple for the greater good of sport. If, if we really zoom out from a macro on the macro level and we take away these specific moments, we can see the strength of what they're doing is calling attention to the fact that athletes need somebody to talk to, that there could be more to a story that we don't know. Um, you know, Simone Biles has had lots of trauma in her life. Like we are all not taking that into account. That's a big deal. Um, and so I think we can, 
really just zoom out and see how can this be for a bigger picture? What, what's the greater good for this? Um, you know, Michael has done a wonderful job speaking about it in the swimming world, Allison as well. Um, and I know Rebecca and I with Rise and, and all of our mentors as well, same thing. It's, this is a way that we can start to focus in on that piece. It's like that piece of the pie where we could be so much better if we really could hone in on how our mind is a muscle. Like our brain is a muscle, like Alexi Pappas says, like that's an actual muscle that we can train so that these things can become better and better and better and better as we grow. So I just, I thought it was admirable. Um, it is the, the talk of the games. I, I feel so deeply for her. I of course hope that she's okay. Like we all don't know really what's going on and there can always be more to a story. Um, so that practice of empathy, of understanding what people have going on in their lives is really important because they're humans and we all have different experiences. So yeah, that's my, my thing with that. It's just like zooming out, like what's the bigger message here, you know, and how can we start to implement those, those things and uh, create that shift and that change that can happen globally, <laughs> you know, across the board um, for mental health and sports. I, I couldn't agree more with you. <clears throat> um, it's, I, I love what you said that you never know the full story. And, and as a journalist or as a member of the media, I really try to consider that every, every time, right? Instead of looking at a headline and judging the human that that headline is about based on the headline, it's like re realizing I only know this much, right? And, right. and they're like, I only know this much and there's this much going yeah. on. Um, with that human so 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 let's take that into consideration um because yeah. you never really know the full the full story yeah and I think it's important you know and you and I have talked about this in the past it when we have um a scenario like that or you know we hear Michael speak up years ago about it mm -hmm. um Sometimes the inclination could be from others or even as an athlete, this is what you're thinking is, does this mean I'm not going to be good anymore? Like, does this mean that they're not going to perform anymore? Like, is, like, are, is this a weakness or, you know, do, and I, and I go back to that concept of it's not an either or conversation. This isn't like we work on mental health and we back out of sport or, you know, we work on, um, or, or we only charge hard in sport and we don't work on mental health. The answer is that you need to do what's best for you 100%, but both of them can be integrated. Like you can work on your mental health and absolutely crush it in sport. And in order to do that, sometimes you have to make sacrifices in order to slow down and realize what it is that you need. And that's what I appreciate about what these athletes have done is they've said, hold on, I need to best understand what I need so that I can be really darn good at my sport and in my life, because I want my mental health to thrive so that my sports can feel more enjoyable for me and can feel, you know, like a solid sturdy ground to stand on. And I'm not feeling nervous about that. And so I, I always like to just say that because I feel it's so important 
to drive that home that it doesn't have to be an either or conversation. Like we can talk about mental health and athletes can do wonderful things in sport. Like they can succeed and both are possible. Um, and we've seen athletes do that everywhere, you know? So Naomi just did it. For example, she came back to the Olympics and started playing. It's start playing wonderfully. It's like, she makes a sacrifice, does her thing, does what she needs to do and realizes I'm going to start integrating that into my sport. I'm gonna start paying attention to that and not ignoring it and pushing it down and think about how much better, like Michael said last night on that interview, like how much better these athletes could be at hundred percent when they have all of that dialed in. So he nailed it last night on that interview on NBC. It was great. So I, that's how I feel about that um, integration of the two. Agreed. I, yeah, the, that interview last night on NBC was, was spot on. I think he, he did a wonderful job at just saying, this is, this is where we, this is where we are. This is where we could be. So yeah. I want to get your perspective on um, how you treated yourself as an athlete, you know, when you were competing and then being removed from that athletic career, doing all this work and then being able to look back and, and saying, okay, how would I have done it differently? How would I have treated myself differently? How would I have treated my mental health differently um, if, if knowing what I know now? Oh, I, I wish I would have paid more attention to it. Um, I, pu- I was a classic push everything down and, and deal with it another time. <laughs> um, that was, and, and to be fair, that was more the message, I think, in my era as well. And that's totally fine because we didn't have the same tools and resources. And, and that's just the reality of growth and evolution in this world. And so um, I, I definitely did not maximize that like I could have. If I could have done it all over again, the only thing that I would have changed would be to ask for help and to have conversations earlier. Um, I would have loved to have had a mentor or somebody to talk to. Um, I would have loved to have had that consistency, I think, not just when I needed it and when it was too late, but that consistency and conversation about what was going on, like how I can make that better. I can strengthen my mental muscle and like share what's making me feel not well. Um, That would have gone a long way because I would have learned a lot about myself as an athlete. Um, yeah. And and when I was taking care of myself, that was what helped, you know, like I remember sitting down with Dr. Jim Bauman at the Olympics and talking and Jack Roach and, you know, just, just talking, like just being able to have somebody sit and just be like, I love to hear how you're doing, you know, and these athletes need it. Every athlete needs it regardless of if you think you're fine or not, I think it's a powerful tool. Um, but I think that's like the essential (laughs) to help to self-care and to healthy minds is just being able to process things that are not easy to talk about with someone that you trust and somebody that you care for that cares for you, uh, establishing that relationship that would have been so wonderful as an athlete. And, and I do cherish the times that I did have that as an athlete as well. So it's important. That's, that's good to hear. I, um, from my perspective, like I started, I started going to therapy about a year ago, um, a few months into COVID because I was just depressed. I was having a hard time being stuck in my house. 
And uh, you, I, I love what you said about just having someone can, can having the consistency of someone just constantly asking you how you're doing and letting you talk and someone that you trust. And uh, it, you stuff comes up that you don't even think is not even a problem, but you don't, you wouldn't even think about, um, but then you get it out. Right. And you're able to just process it and think about it in a, maybe not in a, like a good or a bad way, but just recognize it. And then, and then you, you leave and you're like, Oh, I feel a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> or the next day when you, you've kind of, when everything is settled and, and you, you've processed, you're like, wow, okay. I feel, I feel lighter. Right. Or I feel more in touch with myself. I kind of know, have a better idea of what's going on. Yeah. Cause from a nervous system perspective, we all need that sense of safety and, and it brings your system into like, um, you know, like when you think about it in polyvagal theory <laughs> terms, um, you're, you're in a state of ventral, like you're actually like, that's why when you say you feel better and you feel lighter, it's like your body's not so tense and holding on to this energy that we don't realize we have because our bodies are smart and they can tell us more information before we even can. <laughs> um, so I, I agree. I think it, it does make a huge difference and you feel so much lighter and able to just move freely in the world and, and feel like yourself when you know that you have that support consistency consistently and cons, you know, through consistency, I think is important because it's, that is, that's the, the key is just being able to have that routine where, you know, that you can rely on that day and that time and <laughs> that moment to touch base with somebody and feel like you can just be yourself and talk about whatever you you want to makes a big difference it uh, does it's yeah. huge <laughs> and like you said your body feels better which imagine how much faster and better and, and stronger we can all be athlete or not you know um or competing or not i guess everyone's an athlete in this world if you really want to go there but um <laughs> you know competing or not like you know i'm not competing anymore but i tell you what i feel way stronger days after, of course, exhausted, but I have therapy too. And when I go, I feel so much better and stronger and more resilient when I, um, work out even the days after that, it's a very interesting mind body connection to dive into for sure. That is that, I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing how, how connected those two things are and how disconnected they can become. If, uh, if we, if we don't pay attention to both, yeah, very true. <laughs> so I have one more thing I want to talk to you, and this is totally off topic. It's not really about swimming, but I saw on your Instagram that you have James Nestor's newest book, yeah. Breathe. Yeah, it's behind me right there. Somewhere. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I went to see James talk when his last book about free diving came out. And it was Deep. fascinating. Uh, he talked, he, he, you know, he talked about free diving, which is just going out into the ocean and holding your breath for a long time and like becoming one with the ocean. And it was super <laughs> interesting. Um, are, are, are you very far into breathe? And, and if so, what are your thoughts on it so far? I'm about halfway and I'm actually mind blown. <laughs> uh, I think many swimmers could probably relate to being heavy mouth breathers. Um, it's just 
sort of what you got to do to swim. I mean, <laughs> can't really like breathe out of your nose with <laughs> the stroke. It's probably not going to end up well. Um, and I've recently really revamped the way that I am um, living my life as far as my health practices go. I've been working with a functional medicine doctor and she uh, told me to get this book um, because a lot of what I'm learning through the book and in general is just the power of nasal breathing and how it can actually change our physiology and change our minds and give our brains more oxygen to actually think and process information. And it's interesting how you just don't really think about that at all. But um, yeah, I'm about halfway. I, I'm to the point where they're still going through the experiment after the nasal plugs for 10 days. Um, so it's a wonderful book. I highly suggest every swimmer read it. Uh, it will change how you feel completely when you practice nasal breathing at night and your sleep and on land. Um, when I swim now, I feel like I'm getting a lot more lung capacity on my underwaters. And I don't really know if that's correlating, but I've been working on it. So <laughs> maybe so, but I'm not that fast anymore. Don't <laughs> worry. Uh, but it is, it's a really cool book. Highly suggest it. For sure. uh, it's called breathe the new science of a lost art by James Nestor. You, you, when you say nasal breathing, you mean breathing through your nose, right? Yeah. <laughs> or like you plug one and then plug the other and mm -hmm. practice that. It's a, it's very regulating too, because it'll regulate your nervous system. And, you know, when you're feeling activated or stressed with work, it's like just taking nasal breaths. Like you're actually like very calm <laughs> afterward. It's different than taking mouth deep breaths. Wow. I'm going to, I've, I've done, I've done these breaths, uh, in yoga practices before, but, uh, I don't, I don't, I've never thought about that. I, I, I was just talking to someone about how overly sensitized I've been this week covering the Olympics. And, uh, now I'm going to do nasal breaths <laughs> the rest of the week to, uh, to calm myself down because, because of this weird schedule, like it's been vital to take naps throughout the day when I can, but it's so when you're like, when I've been looking at my computer for six hours, you know, or like when there's so much going on with, with the swimming and then the covering it, um, it's hard to, it's hard to wind down to take a nap. Yeah. That will help. Nasal breathing. It will help. Totally. It does put you into that state where you're just like, oh, it's time to rest. Nice. They can also ramp you up if you're like, <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's a wonderful practice. And here's the nerd in me. And this is the last thing I'll say, I promise yeah. I'll shut up after this. But when you do take nasal breaths and through your diaphragm, diaphragmatic breathing, it moves your organs. So by moving your organs and like pulsating them, you're moving lymph. And like lymph is like the fluid in your body that's obviously keeping you moving. <laughs> and so I think we forget about lymph too, because when lymph is stagnant, our muscles become tight. Um, everything can sort of just freeze up in a lot of ways. So that's nasal breathing will move everything around, which is healthy. And you'll notice a big difference in how you feel. It's, it's crazy. I did, honestly didn't believe any of it until I started really diving into it. And now I'm like, okay, 
time to evolve a little bit here. Like <laughs> I can get out of my safe box in my safe zone and like learn new things. <laughs> wow. Time to try to breathe right, people. <laughs> get yourself a nasal strip and just get going. <laughs> you Remember those first. Like, nasal strips? Yeah, I do. My, I feel like You're something. My uh, my roommate was just wearing those the other day. It was pretty funny. But they were on to something years ago. I tell you what. I mean, we just didn't. We just thought it was for looks, you know. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. Uh, well, okay. Nasal breathing swimmers and swimmers go out, learn about nasal breathing. You will, you will be a better swimmer or swimmer either yeah. or either uh, or. Okay. Caroline, it's always great talking to you and catching up with you and getting your expertise insight on, on Olympic swimming. Is there anything particular you're looking forward to for the rest of the games? <sighs> I'm just really, honestly, I'm just really enjoying falling in love with it again. And I just want to let all the athletes know, I mean, you probably will never listen, who knows, because you're competing right now, but, but there, there's so much gratitude that I have for all of you and all athletes that are competing, especially after last year. I just, I'm grateful for all the lessons I've learned from each and every swimmer that's out there. Each and every swimmer has a story. I love the highlights that they're showing on them about their years last year and what they've worked through. Um, that's what it's all about to me. It's like, there's a bigger picture always. And the impact that is being made right now is massive. And so I'm extremely excited for the future of swimming. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swim Podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.